Gig Gab, the Working Musicians Podcast, episode 66 for Tuesday, May 24th, 2016. <music> Greetings, folks, and welcome to Gig Gab, the Working Musicians Podcast. Here in Durham, New Hampshire, I'm Dave Hamilton. Here in Los Gatos, California, Paul Kent. Happy Tuesday, Paul. Happy Tuesday, Dave. Thanks for giving me the day off yesterday to take care of some business. We all get that. that thank you is extended to our audience, too. <laughs> I we, saw that. Uh, we all we all thank you. We all. Uh, there you go. I don't know whatever it is. We all gave you the day off. Or, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you had a vocal rehearsal. We got it. There does need to be time for us to do what we do so that we're still somewhat qualified to do this and qualified is you know tenuous at best so well, we're lucky because nick you know runs a business out of his home so he has he and that's where we rehearse so you know okay. he's there simon and steve are music teachers and i have a pretty flexible schedule so getting these vocal rehearsals together in the middle of the day feels like you're stealing extra time it's totally. not like you know and it's really it's they've been great man Oh, I bet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I know when I get to like come up and, and do some recording or something or Russ comes over and we do some mixing during the middle of the day, it's always like, are we allowed? Like, is this okay? But of course we are. Do whatever we want. That's right. Yeah. No, it's, it's, uh, we are very fortunate people. We lead charmed lives, um, which is a good thing. Yeah. You know, there are those people who, you know, are really the kind of corporate guys who, who they literally can only fit this in in certain hours in the evening. And, you know, I, I was, I was that guy once upon a time and you spend an inordinate amount of time during your days thinking about wishing you were able to do more music at, at different times. So it really, it is a blessing. And I kind of empathize with those guys who, you know, they work in a, a nine to five plus, plus a lot probably job, but their heart is with music and they just wish they could find someone. It's, it is a funny thing. Like when I see someone like on Craigslist looking for band mem- bandmates, you ever look through those the Craigslist ads? I do. Yeah, I, I, occasionally. Yeah, yeah. And and it's it, yeah, it's it's an interesting it's an interesting mix that you see out there. Well, it's an interesting mix, and you kind of get an insight into how other people are kind of see themselves and how they're organizing bands. But when I see guys who are like, you know, I want to only rehearse once a month and gig once a month or every couple months, I do not know how somebody could do that little amount of music. Like, I how can you do it? and not enjoy it so much that you want to do it more. So I, I have the answer to that um, because, well, because what you're seeing on those Craigslist, because I, pu- I have put out those ads. In fact, when we moved to New Hampshire, I put out an ad saying, looking to gig. I might have even, I certainly intended to imply that I never want to have to rehearse, you know, but uh, I don't know if I quite said that in, in my Craigslist ad. And it was a Craigslist ad, Uh and that's where I found knockoff, which I played with for a long time and enjoyed it. But um, what you're seeing in those ads is the tip of the iceberg, right? You, you don't necessarily know what's what what led to someone writing those, you know, 50 words to put up on Craigslist. And there have been times in my life where it's like, yeah, I want to gig, you know, once, maybe twice a month, no more, no less. And rehearsing once a month at best, I certainly can't do once a week. Right. And but, you know, leading into that is. I've got, you know, two businesses that I'm growing. I've got two kids that I'm growing. 
Uh, and I, you know, I just don't have time in the evenings to dedicate that to, you know, to this, but it doesn't mean that I don't play. It's, you know, I've got other things going on. I can steal away an hour in the afternoon to, to play my drums or whatever. Like all of that stuff still happens. It's just, I know that at this point in my life where, you know, and where everything else fits in, that's where, that's the, the hole I can make for music without it becoming a burden that, that actually stresses me. You know? Yeah, I hear you. I, I, again, I don't want to knock yeah. Craigslist as a way to network with other people. I mean, it certainly works quite a bit. My point was more like gig once a month, man. That seems like, that seems very seldom. I have to say, you know, Craigslist, I owe a great friendship and a great band list, uh, a great bandmate to Craigslist. I think I've told you this before. My drummer, Joe, he posted on Craigslist and, and uh, it was funny because it caught my eye. I still remember his, the essence of his post was, I worship at the Holy Trinity of drummers, Charlie, Ringo, and Max Weinberg. <laughs> and I was like, what? That's, <laughs> right? that's your guy. Like, this is my guy, right? Yeah. And, you know, 15 years later, we've played a lot of music and we're, we're, you know, lifelong friends now. And so Craigslist does a lot of good. There's a lot of noise on Craigslist, obviously. <sighs> it's crazy. But, yeah. Yeah, it is. But my point to all that was more like, I don't know, you know, even if I, even when I was working a crazy amount of work, even when I had kids that were young and needed a lot more attention, you know, my mind, my mind, you know, I wanted to play a lot of music. So I have a question for you though, because I, because I'm, I, I have, I never stopped playing, right. Yeah. You know, I, I always played, uh, even when we had like babies, but at that point in time, it, you know, more than, Every, once a weekend, I did it and it was too much. So that's where this whole kind of, you know, when the kids were in the low single digits, um, I, I really ratcheted back. It, well, once a month was a little low, but three times a month was too much, it, oh. you know, and uh, and I felt it. And it's just it was just me. It was like, oh, I got too much going on. Y you know, I'm missing out. It's opportunity cost, right? If I'm playing, I can't do other things and I would miss out on stuff with the kids or, you know, whatever. And, um, and, and so, but there, there might be an aftershock, if you will, to never having stopped playing. And, and that is that at this point, I'm not like the concept of playing in a band where I was playing, you know, two or three nights a week. That's too much. Yeah. Yeah. It might change at some point, especially when the kids are really out of the house. I mean, my daughter's to the point now where, you know, we hardly see her and, uh, and it's, it's, it's okay. I mean, it's just, she's busy. She's got her, her life that she's kind of creating and that's a good thing. But, um, once my son gets there, you know, then it, I might feel differently. Uh, but, but certainly now it's, it, you know, it, it's expanded from that once a month thing up where now like three times a month is actually good for me. So I think you're, are you asking me the question that since I put the guitar down for many years, this was an overreaction to that? No, not necessarily. Well, I'm, I'm really asking the question, is my current desire an overreaction or an extended reaction to what I went through continuing to play when my kids were very, very young and having to ratchet it back? And now it's like, I'm, I, you know, am I still experiencing or, or uh, is what I do now the result of that is, is more what I'm asking. Yeah. Gig whiplash kind of. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah I don't know. Like to me, it's been a pretty constant thing. So, you know, when I first picked it back up again, the desire to play more and, you know, once it got into me again, 
you know, and I remembered that kind of fulfillment that it provided. Yeah. It's been a pretty constant thing. And, and I'll be the first to say, I definitely pushed it too far in hindsight. You know, my wife is a saint and she was very supportive, but you know, as she should, she let me know, you, you know, you're, you're putting a lot of time and effort into this type of thing. We've got growing kids. We've got teenage kids and you know, that type of thing. And so she would rein me back in usually gently. Sometimes he hit me with a hammer because I needed to be hit, hit with a hammer. Sure. But, um, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't can't, identify with that mindset of, of once per month. Part of it is because you get so much better when you do it more and you're striving for that kind of butter, you know, that kind yeah. of like, Oh God, this, this is so, it's so good when it's so familiar like that and getting to that point. That is it true. Is, you, you miss, you absolutely miss out on that, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. There, I mean, there's other ways of, of scratching that itch that don't require, you know, lugging your gear somewhere else. Uh, you know, jam sessions and and that kind of thing can sort of fill in in that that um, that that mix. I don't know. That's uh, that's what I think about. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I had a question for you, and now I've I've lost it. But uh, so I, I guess I I can't come back to it, or I I, so I, I will have, have to two come back things to for it. you. Okay. So one, I actually got a, a Facebook question from um, a fellow musician who listens, who asks, what do I mean when I talk about someone being a generous musician? I talk about you and I talk about a lot of the people that I play with. What does that mean being a generous musician? And so I thought I'd take a couple seconds and just kind of, you know, my view on that. A generous musician is um, a musician who is committed to someone else's success on stage. It's not all about them. Whether they're covering, you know, reminding you of parts um, whether they're whether they're you know filling in areas that you're having a trouble with, whether they're taking time to explain stuff to you, whether they're showing patience and helping you work through something that you're having a problem with, these are the traits and qualities of a generous musician. The opposite of which would be someone who um, uh, it's all about them, or they feel the need to point out you know when you are less than stellar. That would be a not generous musician. You, you, you get the concepts on that? I totally get the concepts on that. Yeah. And, and, and I, I think you've said to me, you are usually a generous musician, but there's sometimes when certain certain personalities or certain types of musicians try your patience and you are not generous with those types of people. That that is exactly how I would have described it. I uh, yeah. My, when when my patience is over tested, um, then I, I sometimes uh, am, you know, I lose that that generosity. Do you play with um, people that you consider very close friends? Yes. And not and all of them. I mean, some people I play with and it's just I mean, we get along when we play, but, you know, I wouldn't hang out with them um, or haven't hung out with them outside of music. And then some it's yes, yes, a little. Above. And um, do those people who have moved into the friend zone, um, do you accord them a certain amount of of like the people who are your friends? Do they ever fall into the category of people who try your patience? Absolutely. Oh, they do. Sure. Mm. Yeah, I, I, um, yeah, I, I don't, um, I don't hold back with that. In fact, if someone's a friend, I might be even more, um, and I, I mean is the wrong word, but more honest with them, if you will. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's it, but the same would be true of a musician that 
I have played with for a long time and developed a relationship with, even if we don't hang out outside of, you know, the confines of, of a, a music situation. If I feel like I know you and you know me, I can be a whole lot more direct with feedback. Like, no, dude, that one's out of tune. And they know <laughs> that this is coming from a good place. You know, I don't have to beat around the bush. Like, nope, that was terrible. Oh, okay, great. You know, let's fix it kind of thing. Yeah. 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 That's yeah, um, yeah. good questions. Yeah. Yeah. Musicians in the friend zone. I like that. Yeah. All right. So I had an interesting topic for today. It's something I've asked about the last couple of, of episodes we've done. And it's something that has been on my mind quite a bit lately. And it's about the, um, the feeling that you get when music is disappointing to you playing music or being a musician is, is disappointing to you when, it, when there's this kind of like ominous sense. I mean, we, we always say, Hey, we're playing music. You know, we're ahead of the game, you know, as long as, you know, it's always good when you're playing music, which is largely true, but there's a bunch of emotions that I tend to go through as a musician, as a band leader that um, are hard. And I, I, I think it's, it's hard because it's so important to me, you know, it, I really want it to be right, and I really want it to be good. And when anything in my musical life falls below that bar, to different degrees, it can be it can be really sad, you know. And it's not like just you know, there's not like a prescription for this, like just break through and and everything will be fine. You know, just keep playing. But I think it's it's cool to kind of put out there. I, I'm interested to see if you kind of go through this stuff. I mean, you're you're a fairly even keeled guy, in my opinion. But um, <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, think about it. Think about your and I's relationship. You know, we know each other, what, 15 years now? I feel like it's longer than that. Could be longer than that. Yeah. But about that, time, yeah, we, I mean, can you think of any time where I haven't seen you be like you walked away from an exchange with me and it wasn't the same guy that I've seen the other 10 times? I mean, I, I don't, I don't think the words, Hey, is anything ever going on with you ever come out of my mouth that I've had to like ask you what's going on? Yeah, true. I mean, whenever something's going on, I just tell you, which is, yeah, which is different. Yeah. I I guess I'm not, um, I don't get overly moody without being totally upfront about why. All right. Uh, Hold that word moody aside for, because that that might be an interesting word to to use here. So, well, I mean, I mean, I don't get like, I, I, I tend not, I try not to be passive aggressive about stuff like showing up for the podcast and you say, Hey Dave, how's it going? Hey, you know, it's like, if there's something going on with me, I'm just going to tell you, like, I'll say, Hey, I've had a crappy day, you know, well, and I'm just going to tell what makes you, a, but that that's creates an even keel guy. I guess so. Right. Yeah. yeah, by yeah. Definition. Fair enough. Yeah. 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 Right. Right. Okay. Right, so some of the characteristics of this kind of like when, when music breaks your heart. So I, I attribute this to competitiveness. You know, it's, it is hard for me to go see friends who are musicians because it's, it's hard for me to be a spectator. I want to be up there, you know, and I want to, you know, it's like you see these other people that are like rooting and enjoying this musician. Like, Oh, if you could just see my band, you know, that type of thing. Yeah. That's oh, a competitive I, thing. I think you, you ever go through that. Do, do I ever not go through that? What was the question? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, of course it's terrible. And and the worst part is I'm kind of manipulative. I, I mean, I know this about myself. I, I can like weasel my way into situations. It's why I get to do what I do. Right. It, and usually I use my powers for good. But um, but without even thinking about it, if I go see another band, I, I like I have to stop myself 
from, you know, triangulating a scenario where they're inviting me to play with them or, you know, anything like that. It's like I have to tell myself walking into the club, you are here as a spectator. Don't make this about you, you know, because I'm just used to when I'm in a club and there's music being played. My default position is I'm one of the people playing music. So I have to I have to entertain and I have to, you know, focus the attention and all of that stuff, because when you're playing a gig, that's your job. But I'm I'm very comfortable with that job. And so now I'm in that environment and I start just doing it without really even thinking about it. And I, I do. I have to be very, very uh, aware of it in the moment. Yeah. And, and in the moment. Exactly. Which, you know, now I'm seeing a band. I grab a beer or something they, that dulls the moment a little bit. You know, sometimes it's easier for me when I'm with other musicians. And yes. It feels like a more communal thing. It feels like a more like you know, a vibe of musicians hanging out. That's less of an issue. But if I just go myself to support a friend or, yeah. you know, check out another band, it's way worse if I don't know the people. Right. Right. It's like, but if I know the guy, at least I have some emotional investment in wanting my friends to do well. Yes. But even at that, you know, if we're being totally bare and honest, it's hard to go see your friends play as much as you want them to do well. Um, and not be you know, involved. Yeah. Not have some emotion about it. So yeah. that, that's one of these areas uh, yeah, there was, there was do you a, think that's a universal thing? Do you think all musicians feel that? Or do you think, you know, like, like Simon in my band, he's incredible. He, he goes out and he sees other bands and he, and I can, I can detect none of this. I don't even know. Is it, a, is it a terrible quality that I'm sharing or is it just competitiveness? And it's just something we all have. Simon seems to be awesome about it. I mean, he goes, he loves to you know check people out. He loves to, you know, take what he can from that. And he seems to put it to, you know, in, into his own playing and stuff like that. He's a he I would call him a musician's musician. I don't know if this is a leader thing or what the deal is, but it's, it, 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 it's not something I'm terribly proud of. And I'm being pretty raw and honest. And I'm, I'm going to get smacked by somebody for bringing it up yep. anyway. But um, oh, yeah, I already a, know. I already know who's going to smack me. No, it's, <laughs> <laughs> no it, I think it. I, yes, it's I don't think it's universal, but I think you hit the nail on the head. It's it's that that leader position. This frankly is part of the equation of why I try to get myself in bands as a sideman and not as the leader. Cause if I'm booking gigs or all of that, I can just the competitiveness I can, I can punt on it sort of if I'm in a band and it's someone else's job to book the gigs. Right. So I go see somebody at a club and we don't play at that club for whatever reason. Right. You know, and now it's like, well, it's not my fault. So I get to just be I get to be appreciative that you're playing here, but I don't spend my time there fretting about crap. Why are they playing here and we're not? And then that whole thing, you know, exactly. So. So, yes, I can I can I can if I can compartmentalize it, then. Yeah. But I mean, if I'm watching someone else play or sing or, you know, do whatever, I, I mean, I can't. There's no way I can separate from, hey, Look at what they're doing versus what would I do if I were in that scenario? It's And that's the interesting thing is that it, it, at least to me, it has very little to do with the, the technical acuity of the band playing. Like it's not, no, like but I'm it's worse. If, it's worse if they suck. Well, I, I find that it's worse if they suck. Fair enough. Yeah. Obviously. Uh, well, maybe not because the other, the, the, the flip side is what if they're better than you? That I actually appreciate that. Like if I see, if I go out and see a drummer, uh, or see a band that has a drummer that's, you know, outstanding. I can enjoy that because it's like, oh, 
let me sit and watch this cat and learn from him. Whereas if I'm watching a band that has a crappy drummer, it drives me crazy. It's like, will you get off the stool? Let me at least salvage the night, you know, and then we can sort out whatever happens afterwards. You know, it's like, that's the thought that goes through my head. And it's, I mean, it's terrible, but it's, you know, we're being honest. So that's what goes through my head. Yeah. We, we went to see a band and they were fine. They were a good band um, that I didn't know. A couple of weeks ago at a club uh, that we play all the time. So there was none of that weirdness, you know, it was like, actually it felt, I walked in and, and that was sort of the problem is, you know, I, I told myself as I do that you're just going out to with your wife (laughs) self. Yes. You're going out with your wife. The point is to enjoy this music that you're about to see and all is good. And so I walk in and what's the first thing that happens? The sound guy says to me, Hey Dave, it's good to see you. It's like, okay. He's like, you're not playing tonight. Are you? No, you know, I'm just here to appreciate. He's like, Oh, I didn't think you'd like this band. I'm like, yeah, totally into it. He's like, that's great. And, uh, and then we ran into some, uh, some friends of ours, like loose friends, the guy, um, the really nice guy. We just don't hang out. He, he used to help us with our trees around the house and, and all of that. And now he's got a different job or whatever. And he walked in and was like, oh, look at that. And uh, and he's like, oh, let me, he says to his wife, let me introduce you to Dave and Lisa. Dave's an awesome drummer. I'm sure they're going to have you sit in tonight, he says. I'm like, no, this is really bad. Don't <laughs> feed that beast. That beast was quiet in the corner sleeping. Do not feed it, you know, and, and I mean, I, I told Touch him, the tiger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, it, I mean, that's part of the problem is, you know. I'm sure you run into the same thing. People know you from the house rockers and it's like, Oh, Paul, it's like, Oh no, 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 no. I'm not here for that reason. Don't yeah. make it any harder, please. Right. right, right. Yeah. And so they, they mean they, well. I mean, I told they do mean well. well, and it's, it's extremely flattering when you get those kinds of comments. Extremely flattering. Yeah. <laughs> right. But, but, but uh, yeah, my brain goes into seven, like, should I, shouldn't I challenging competitive feelings when you see other groups is, when, especially through the joy of Facebook, when there are groups that you know are really not that good and you see people fawning like crazy over them and you're like, really, is this, you know, music consumers, you know, is that really where the bar is? So maybe the people who are telling us we're so great, they don't know any different either. <laughs> maybe maybe that, that other band is saying, well, look at those people fawning over the house rockers. Those guys suck. <laughs> it, exactly. You yep. know, it goes both ways. But that's the other thing is like, you're really trying to be good at what you do. And uh, you get some cold water thrown on you that uh, all the work that you put in and all the you know aspirations and goals that you set for yourself, at the end of the day, you can be lumped in with someone who puts in one-tenth the amount of work or you know has one-tenth the amount of integrity in their approach to what they're doing. And that's, that's for me, is really, really hard. Yeah, but, but the, I, I, I totally know what you're talking about, but – the worst part about it is you know that it's true, or at least I do, right? Because we we all say this when we finish a gig or even finish a song and, and there was some flub in the middle and, and you know, you kind of gloss past it and whatever, you get to the end of the song and you're like, oh, crap, I can't believe it. And what do we say? We're our own worst critic. Nobody else probably even noticed, right? And 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 there's some truth in that. And then when you see people fawning over a, a band that you, you know, perceive as terrible – perhaps because they are terrible, um, that same truth applies. It's like uh, nobody and they are terrible and nobody knows or cares. 
they're and entertaining. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, ooh, that mm. does, it hurts. I, but it hurts. at the same, so, which is why I like the gigs where I finish a set, you know, you come down and you go to grab a beer or whatever, you say hi to some people, and somebody you don't know comes up to you and says, man, you know, that harmony you guys hit in that Beatles song was awesome. I never heard anybody do it before. It's like, that's the thing. It's like, oh, there's someone here that cares. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I've had that. It doesn't happen often because it's just not how the general public tends to be. But, right. um, but you know, that's the, that, that's the payoff. And when I go to see a band, as much as I have to compartmentalize all of this, you know, what I'll lump in as the result of just simply being uh, competitive, I try to find those things. And then if I do get the opportunity to talk to the musicians, you know, at a set break or whatever, I'll mention something specific like that because I know that no one else is going to do it. And it, I know how much it means to be on the receiving end of somebody who clearly paid attention and, you know, isolated something and said, you guys you know, knock that out of the park. That was awesome. Thank you. Uh, so that's, yeah. that's, that's what I try to do to, you know, take my, use my powers for good, if you will. So, well, it's an interesting thing because if, if you take the sum of all the things we've been talking about where my mind typically goes is uh, you, you have your kind of game plan, you know, what your band is, what you do, how you do it. And you play kind of for yourself to your own expectations you play for your bandmates because it is a team sport Yeah, and um, you do it to the best you can. And you got to kind of leave the rest out for the gods to figure out where it's going to waft, who it's going to waft over to. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'll get someone saying nobody plays that song and that's kind of cool. Or man, your horn section does this. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Or, you guys are, you know, not only are you good players, but you're very entertaining. You know, I go listen to a lot of you do get those little nuggets of things, which is the up. It's the opposite side of the coin of, you guys are the greatest, you know, being said to a band that is clearly not the greatest. Yeah. So, woo, right. Yeah. yeah right. Yep. Um, so yeah, no, that's I, I, yeah, yeah. It's interesting. Yep. Next thing for me in the same way, I would say that this kind of competitive streak I have is a, it drives me and it, it helps me to achieve things, but it also, you know, can create some emotions that are probably not the most beautiful things in the world. I have a huge thing with respect. So this is, this is something that guides many aspects of my life. And so, you know, if we've done something for another band, you know, you know, we've offered a gig and then when they get a chance to offer a gig, they give it to someone else that pisses me off. When we are looked over for a gig that maybe we've done something for the event organizers or, you know, we're, we clearly uh, are better in some ways than other bands that are being selected respect even amongst musicians respect amongst my bandmates all these things when when someone attacks something that that makes my hairs go up that respect is not being given that makes me like have a moment of pause like why am i doing this this is so hard i definitely that's that's probably the thing that gets me into the biggest funk is when you know you feel disrespected for all that you try to do for other people for all that you try to do for other musicians, for all you try to do for your bandmates, those are the things that uh, really pause me and say, wait a second, you know, we're putting a lot out here, not asking for a ton in return. Respect is just a common thing. So I, I, I tend to think I'm much more heightened about this than most people. What do you think? Um, uh, yeah, I, I think you probably feel that a little more strongly than everyone else. And, and I don't say that in a bad way. I just say that as someone who knows you as your friend, that, that you, 
um, that stuff cuts you deeper. It cuts us all. Don't get me wrong, but it, it cuts you deeper. And, uh, and I mean, that's, that's, there's a part of that that's endearing, right? I mean, it, because it matters so much to you. Well, I try to give respect. That's the thing. Yeah, no, like, I know. Like I approach all relationships, even people I don't know. You start out, you're cool with me until you're not, right? That's how and we so, met. Yeah, we absolutely. were cool until I screwed you, or in your eyes. <laughs> well, right? That's that's what happened. And uh, you know, I'll I'll tell the story as briefly as I can. But we had partnered together. Uh, you had a business where you were managing uh, a couple of trade shows, and then I had a business that I still have that was uh, running uh, Mac Observer. Right. And and we had partnered together and, you know, done a bunch of stuff for a couple of years. And then uh, one of my writers. In your eyes, miscategorized what you had said uh, at a kickoff to Macworld Expo or a pre kickoff or something. And man, you came down so hard on me. And it was I, I could tell. And it was like, oh, you know, this guy cares about what he does. And then we met in a bathroom and hugged it out. And it was all good. Right, right. I was waiting until <laughs> you to get to that part of the story. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, right. I mean, it was it, this was, you know, there was maybe 18 hours total of, of 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 any weird funk. And then it all was good. And then and then six months later, we're, we're playing in a band together. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, you feel this stuff deeply. And that I I mean, it's I think it's a good thing. But. It's a good thing for everybody, but you maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it paralyzes yeah. me at times. Right. That's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. How about yeah. Um, musically? Are you ever like really frustrated that you're not achieving what you want to achieve musically? Like you're pushing yourself to get better at a certain skill, a certain task, a certain song, as granular as you want to make it. Do, do, do you ever like, dude, like, you know, one of the greatest guitar players in history, Danny Gatton. This is like yeah. a master of, of, of the Telecaster. I mean, ends up largely a large part of the legend of, of why he took his life was because he didn't feel that, you know, he was, he was where he wanted to be with his instrument, which is incredible if you ever have seen this guy play. So that's at that level. You think, I think all musicians go to this to some, to some degree, some are happy to just have an instrument in their hands, but I think most people who have taken it seriously, they, um, they, you know, you don't, you reach plateaus in your learning, you, you know, you don't break through the plateaus as quickly as you'd like Are you that way. Always, always, always a hundred percent of the Well, not a hundred. There are fleeting moments where I am happy with my abilities, and but they are in the moment. I'll play something, uh, you know, and it could be a very, you know, tricky technical thing that I just, you know, I get it right once. Uh, or it could be, you know, a slippery groove that I just get perfect or w whatever it is. But um, and and I'm always like thrilled with myself um uh, in those moments or right after those moments i should say and i get a little chuckle and it's always you know that's for me and it's like all right awesome but the rest of the time yeah i'm not uh i'm not happy at all with the limits of my abilities yeah yeah so i uh this actually is something that it it doesn't weigh as hard on me so i'm i'm I, I like the style of music that, that my groups play. I play music that I like generally. Yeah. Um, and I've actually learned like, like funk is something that wasn't really a style that I liked a lot, but my band is fun to play this music with. And so I've kind of come to get my hands around it. I think I've kind of told you, you know, I kind of went through this whole thing where the band started out as much more of a rock band. And then Nick joined and he feels much more passionate about that as, as a, a way to use horns and, and, you know, I've kind of come to a place where I can appreciate 
I can appreciate the musicianship that goes into making that music great. You know, like, yeah. you know, you, you take Earth, Wind & Fire's top three hits, you can play them anywhere to any group and people will dance, right? I mean, that's correct. To write a song that is, you know, that is a fundamental that, law of the universe. That is, yep. that is. Yep. Um, I'm a, I'm a good guitarist. I'm a, a workmanlike guitarist. I, I am competent at the things that I typically tend to do. I have times where like, all right, I'm going to sit down and I'm really going to dig deeper into Larry Carlton or Robin Ford or, you know, some, some of the masters that I like. And, um, you know, I'll pick up a thing or two. I don't know whether my mind is, is not like I should be Larry Carlton or, you know, who do we go to see recently? We went to see, um, Tommy Emanuel, right? Yeah, sure. Okay. You're not going to be Tommy Emanuel, right? So, so you know, it's kind of like you know, you can go watch him and be entertained and be absolutely awed by his talent. That but ship me, has sailed, yeah, right. Well, that's, yeah, I don't think the ship was ever in port for me. I mean, <laughs> I mean it's, it never dawned on me, you know, because I, I tend yeah. to think a lot of those guys are, you know, <laughs> help me put a number on this, right? So, so take the guys who are like the the best of the best. Yeah, I think I think my formula would be it's probably about. 35% the hard work they do, but 65% that they're born with a certain set of gifts and talents. And the 35% work is just to bring that stuff out, but without the natural gifts. Yeah. And so, you know, and I think, I think it's important to recognize that a chunk of those natural gifts are, are just, you know, the, the, uh, the musical ability in your brain, but, but a chunk of it is also physically like, you know, do you have hands that either fit perfectly around a guitar to do all this stuff. They're not too big. They're not too small. Same with drums. I mean, it's, there's, there's a lot of stuff that it's kind of like athletes. It's like, well, yeah, the, you're a great basketball player and you ha- really have an understanding of the game and on a level that, you know, most people will never even fathom, let alone be able to do in the moment. But, you know, the fact that you're seven feet tall doesn't hurt. Right. You, right. you know, and there's that stuff with musicians too. Instrum- I think there's that stuff with every endeavor is yeah. that, is that, you know, the hard work is what separates you from the other people who are gifted. Correct. But yeah. the gifts, the gifts are actually foundational. I, I, I know few people in any endeavor that they're all hard work, that they were given, you know, no advantages at, at all and rose to the top of their fields. I mean, that's that's a very rare thing in life. Right. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. All right. So, so um, that, can I that can one I, is less for me. Go. Can I, can I, we're, we're at about the 35 minute mark here. So is there anything, I have a, I have sort of a higher note to wrap things on, I think, but, uh, it'll be quick. So is there anything else on this? I don't want to derail you. This this is important. I've emoted all I can emote. Okay. So you brought up something and I want to go through this. We obviously did. Well, I don't know about obviously we did not prepare this. Um, this just came to me. You mentioned Earth, Wind, and Fire's three top hits as songs that people will dance to no matter what. And I, I affirm that as it being a law of the universe. Let's do it. Let's talk through going back and forth as much as we can, and then we'll wrap up the show. What are those songs? We'll start with the Earth, Wind, and Fire ones if you like, but there's got to be others out there. What are the songs that instantly fill the dance floor? We might only get to 10. I don't know how, I don't know what we'll get to, but I'll let you start. Go ahead. September. Yeah, I'll give you that. Uh, build me up, Buttercup. <laughs> You're taking it a little bit of a that will fill the dance floor. That will get people tapping their toes and singing along. That'll fill the dance floor. It shouldn't, but it does. I love that song. Same. See, that's the <laughs> exactly. I yep. love that song. Yeah. All yeah. right. What's the next All one? Right, I'm, I'm staying with Earth, Wind, and Fire okay. and sing a song. 
Oh, that's not one of the ones I would have thought of. All right. Honky Tonk Woman. Cool. I wish. Yeah, I, I, I'd go with that one. Um, well, let's see. We might as well get it out of the way. I'll, 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 I'll take low hanging fruit with sweet home Alabama for a hundred, please. <laughs> um, dancing in the dark with Bruce. Oh yeah. I mean, the, the beat just drives from the, it does. Know, yep. Money, money is one of those. Yeah. Yep. Same kind of feel. Yep. It is. That's right. Yeah. Um, let's see here. Um, more Stevie signed sealed. Oh yeah, for sure. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, here's the thing, Stevie, Earth, Wind, and Fire. Um, you know, let's see who else. There's a few Bruno, Bruno Mars, Michael Jackson, Prince. These these are the eternally great dance groove masters, right? Yeah. I mean, just so much Michael Jackson that you know, Michael Jackson is hard to play and you know, very few people who can who can sing and cover Michael Jackson effectively, but you know, there are 20 Michael Jackson songs that will always fill the dance floor. There are a dozen Prince songs that will always fill the dance floor. We threw in, um, let's go crazy. Yeah. Boom. Yep. That's one of them. Yeah. Kiss is one of them. Of course. Yep. Um, in any of its forms, in any of its forms. I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Billy Jean uh-huh. is, is the Michael Jackson one that, that I've played and been able to pull off. Not, uh, I don't sing it, but somebody else does. But, uh, but you know, that one fills the dance floor. Jenny, Jenny. Yep. Um, sticking with what Steve. I like about you. What I like about, oh yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we'll, we'll, let's, let's, we'll stip the, the, the defense stipulates Mustang Sally is, is on the <laughs> list. <laughs> As it should be, you know, give me three steps. Three steps. Oh, yep. Yep. Superstition. Mm. Uh, Another Earth, Wind, and Fire. Let's groove. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Domino. Domino. Uh, Uptown Funk. Oh, yep. <laughs> That's like the newest classic. That's the newest one. Yeah, but then there was that, there was that, um, um, what was the, the Daft Punk tune? Oh, get lucky. Get lucky. I knew it was get something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I gotta say, I missed that when it first came out, right? I and yeah. I hear it now, and um, I don't get it, man. Man, that is repetitive. That oh, is droningly repetitive. I thought it was a repetitive. DJ song. Yeah, I don't, I don't get it. Yeah. People are pretty crazy about that song. Yep. I mean, nope. I get Uptown Funk. It's fun to play. It's fun to sing. It's you know, at least has a couple parts. It has a little bit of dynamics to it. But that Daft Punk thing, I thought it was a DJ like stringing songs together. Yeah, who knew? Who knew? Yeah, yeah. Those guys did well with that that little that little number there, if you will. Number. There's more. I don't know. That's 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 what comes to mind for me. I just figured it would be a fun little uh, fun little exercise for us. Always, yeah. yeah. Send yours in. I know we're missing one and you are screaming at your iPod or phone or radio or whatever it is. Send them into us feedback at giggabpodcast.com or find us on Facebook at, uh, at giggabpodcast. That's we, we want to, we will start the next show with your suggestions. So you've got to send them in. Otherwise it's going to be like really awkward silence 
for two minutes while we just sit here and don't read what you didn't send in. So feedback at gigabpodcast.com and then on Facebook at gigabpodcast. Got anything else for him, Paul? No, thanks for the therapy today, Dave. I feel so much better. This was the musicians on the couch for sure. And we will see you. um, We will see you next week. That's what it is. Thanks, Paul. Fun show. See you, Dave. 